0: You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: I'm Andy Bates.
0: It's very strange when we do that backwards. I always want to say your name first because that is how it goes in my head. (laughs) We have a very special series that we're going to be presenting on the coffee hour over the uh, several episodes worth. Our friend Katie Shurman was the brainchild behind the Here I Write conference that was supposed to happen this summer in Illinois, but a uh, global pandemic hit, and that means that lots of these events aren't happening anymore, including this Here I Write conference. So we thought we could bring some of the presenters on to the coffee hour and share uh, all of these good ideas and good insights insights that they have about uh reading and writing and creativity with words so that is what we have in store for us over over several episodes with lots of good people and today we get to talk with katie herself to kind of introduce this and and talk about her presentations thanks to our underwriter concordia university wisconsin for your support of the coffee hour you can find out more about them at cuw.edu
1: live uncommon
0: Everything's backwards today. It's weird. that was fun. <laughs> joining us, Katie Sherman, who is author of several books, uh, "He Remembers the Baron," "He Restores My Soul," "The Anthems of Zion" series, uh, and and more, and also mastermind of the Here I Write conference. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today on the Coffee Hour.
2: You are gracious to invite me and the my fellow presenters of the Here I Write conference. Thanks for supporting. The Lutheran writing community.
0: Absolutely. So, tell us, um, tell us about the vocation of writer. What does what does being a writer actually mean?
2: You know, I actually prefer to qualify writing as an occupation oh. rather than a vocation, simply because you know, if we open up Luther's Table of Duties, we're not going to find writer there. Maybe we <laughs> will, in the sense of um, if you're an employee who is employed by. A publisher, or a magazine, or a newspaper. In that sense, as a writer, you know there are ways that we, as employees, serve our employers. But otherwise, I think of writing as uh, an occupation that some of us uh, do on the side when our God-given vocations allow time. Or oftentimes writing is a hobby. (laughs) Many times we don't even get paid for it. (laughs) Um, And so writing is definitely though something we can do to serve our neighbors, to serve those in our vocations whom we love and who we care for. So as a mother, um, a mother could serve her children by teaching them how to write, by uh, sending them to school to learn how to write, by writing them letters when they go off to college, by writing poems for them, or hymns for them, or or songs for them as they age, and so on and so forth. We can apply it to the different vocations that God has given many of us uh, in our daily lives.
1: Who do you consider writers? Who? What makes a writer? Who are the writers?
2: I think of writers as anyone who devotes time and energy to putting words down on a page, you're going to have, of course, uh, different types of writers. You're going to have poets. You're going to have people who like to research information and write papers or articles uh, that, that teach, that share, that communicate that information. Uh, you're going to have fiction writers, people who like to imagine new worlds or new characters, new places. And write stories that entertain or fables that teach. You're going to have academic writers who are, again, writing more for a teaching purpose of sharing knowledge with the world. And some of my favorite writers are those who write letters and (laughs) hold them and put them in an envelope, address the envelope, put a stamp on it, and send them to me.
1: (laughs) You know, that's a, a, a an art that um, I think, I'm afraid, has been um, neglected for a while. Our son, uh, during his kindergarten year, spent much time learning how to write letters and how to address them, how to send them, um, and we realized that was something we had neglected prior to his his experience in kindergarten. Like, <laughs> he hadn't seen us write letters. It's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful art. We need to do that more. What mm-hmm. makes Lutheran writers unique?
2: Well, I think that writers who have grown up uh, learning to confess the faith as it is expounded in scripture. Um, I think a Lutheran writer has benefited from solid catechesis for many years in Sunday school, uh, primarily at home, but then also, you know, through catechetical classes, maybe from pastors. Uh, So I think Lutherans are well equipped to write Whether in any media, um, whether that is a paper uh, that teaches, I think a Lutheran is well-equipped to reason soundly in the light of scripture, um, therefore have truly good things to teach. I think that uh, a Lutheran writer who is writing fiction and creating a new world is going to have their neighbor in mind when they're writing that pretend story. They're going to be writing, hopefully, to serve somebody else. Uh, it kind of curbs that that selfish, selfish inward navel-gazing <laughs> <laughs> uh, natural state of ours. Um, so I think being a Lutheran writer, um, if you're a poet, a Lutheran writer is probably always going to have good truth and beauty um, in mind. It's going to have Christ in mind, and therefore the poetry would be edifying. So I think Lutheran writers... Uh, if they are um, applying what they know best, I think Lutheran writers, you're going to find that their writing is characterized by serving the neighbor, serving the mm-hmm. reader. And uh, for that reason, I wanted to create a conference, a really a gathering of a, a place where Lutheran writers could be together, sit together, talk together, Share ideas and exhort each other um, in this craft of, you know, putting words on paper in service to others.
0: Mm-hmm. What is that need for support for people who create with words? What is that need for community between these people?
2: I think accountability is primary. Um, a writer needs a reader. A writer needs a reviewer. A writer needs someone to hold him accountable to what he publishes. And when I say publish, that can be literally writing a letter and sending it in the mail, <laughs> <laughs> putting that poem in the birthday card, or, you know, signing a contract with a publishing company and having a, you know, a third party publish your work. A writer needs accountability. Um, accountability is... Uh, obviously, when it comes to truth, but also accountability when it comes to craft, when it comes to style, when it comes to voice, when it comes to narration, when it comes to grammar and syntax. (laughs) And so I think primarily gathering together as a community um, is we can hold each other accountable to a high standard of writing. That's one of the ways we learn, right, is uh, reading new things, listening to new people, encountering new ideas or having age-old truths applied to our own ideas. Um, Also, encouragement then. Um, Usually when we're held accountable to what we write, we need somebody then to encourage us to try again, (laughs) Um, encourage us to keep practicing. Uh, But then also, I think just uh, being Lutheran Christians, the fellowship the community we can offer to each other, the support to continue writing the truth is very important. There's great temptation in the world to write selfish things, Mm -hmm. to write um, illicit things, to write things that aren't appropriate, things that don't serve our neighbor, that don't serve the church. And so to um, write uh, in a way that is Christian sometimes is a lonely job out there when trying to get published, and I think as Lutherans we can support each other. I suppose many people would want to gather with the hope of figuring out how to get published, Uh, Mm -hmm. that there's great urgency among all writers uh, to have somebody publish their work. I think it's validation, but I also think it's a bit uh, societal. We put pressure as if if somebody doesn't actually get their work published by a third party, as if for some reason it's not of value, One of the reasons I wanted to gather all of us together is to mildly exhort, but also to encourage that that is actually not the proof of goodness. The proof of goodness is in answering the question, how has what you have written, how does it serve your neighbor? And to kind of maybe refocus, reshift our eyes from maybe the idol of being published and instead turning it back toward um, vocationally using writing to serve the people God has given us in our lives.
1: We're going to talk more about the conference in just a little bit. Um, b- before that, just real quickly with just like a minute, um, mm-hmm. w- what was the aim of the conference and, and who you invited? Who are the presenters at the that you were inviting to the conference?
2: The aim of the conference was to gather, to exhort, to encourage, to support. And who, uh, any writer who wants to come and be a part of that community. And uh, our presenters were some of my favorite Lutheran writers who obviously have a spirit of generosity because none of them were going to be paid. This was a free conference. <laughs> uh, the presenters, uh, Roy Askins, Reverend Roy Askins, who, of course, is the managing editor of Lutheran Witness. Uh, fiction author Sarah Bauman down in Texas is going to come. Charla Fritz, who has written many devotional studies for CPH. Catherine Kramer, assistant headmaster of Emmanuel Lutheran School in Alexandria, Virginia, is going to come talk about helping us teach children how to write. Cheryl Magnus, who, of Mm -hmm. course, is editor of Reporter. Uh, Kirk Meyer, who is owner of Gloria Publishing, all those delightful children's hymn books that have been published. Mm -hmm. Deaconess Mary Murby, who's going to come. Mrs. Anna Musman, Holly Shear, Kelly Schumacher, artist and illustrator. Mrs. Heather Smith, teacher and also author. Uh, Donna Snowpile beloved author at CPH, historical fiction writer, Naomi Stevens. And then also via video, Reverend Brian Wolf Miller was going to um, help us learn how what, what makes a good Bible study. How do we construct and write a good Bible study? So that's a smattering of, of who was coming. We can talk later a little bit more about what they were going to talk about.
0: And we'll actually have some, several of them on to talk about their own presentations and and their own insights into being uh, being a writer and, and all of the what goes along with that. We have to take a quick break, but we will be back with with Katie to talk about uh, some more about her presentations. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: I'm Andy Bates.
3: Hi, this is Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas, and host of Sharper Iron from KFUO. I'd love to have you join us in our current study of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. The series is called The Righteousness of God for You. Throughout this marvelous epistle, the Apostle takes us back to the fundamentals of Christian doctrine. He sharpens our understanding of basic terms that our pastors introduced to us in confirmation class, terms like sin and grace, law and gospel, justification and sanctification, faith and righteousness, and much more. But this isn't just an academic exercise. Rather, at the center of the doctrine taught in the epistle to the Romans stands Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for sinners. If you studied Romans in the past, don't worry about getting bored. Your faith will be sharpened even more. In his preface to Romans, Dr. Martin Luther put it like this, This epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament, and is truly the purest gospel. It is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word, by heart, but also that he should occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. We can never read it or ponder over it too much. For the more we deal with it, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. Check out the Sharper Iron podcast from KFUO to taste and see from the book of Romans that the Lord is good, Because His righteousness is for us.
0: You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: I'm Andy Bates.
0: And we are talking with Katie Sherman today about her her topics uh, at the Here I Write conference that was supposed to happen this summer in Illinois but unfortunately because of the pandemic had to be canceled which means we actually get to talk with a bunch of the presenters here on the coffee hour and today we have Katie Sherman with us. Uh, we went through some of the background of the Here I Write conference and and why something like this uh, was going to be a really great opportunity for Lutheran writers. Um, And and the list of writers that that you talked about, Katie, was very comprehensive. So I think a lot of people, most people maybe, fall under under this category of writers. So I'm really excited to hear uh, what else you have to tell us today. So you had two presentations at the Here I Write conference. And let's talk first about um, what somebody should write. So tell us about um, how to decide... Or or first, let's talk about different mediums. What are the different mediums that someone could write? Sure.
2: Uh, So again, um, there are different uh, venues of publishing. We have magazines. We have newspapers. We have blogs. We have books. We have encyclopedias. um, And we have different kinds of books then. There are nonfiction books, devotional books. There are Bible studies, there are fiction stories, uh, there are short stories, there are children's books, (laughs) there are all different, um, there are hymnals, right, that contain sacred poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, There are as many different media for writing as there are uh, ways people can create of putting words together and convincing somebody to publish them. So uh, (laughs) I... Um I one of the questions I get asked the most when I am out speaking is, what should I write a book? And usually I if there is opportunity, I sit them down and I ask them many questions uh, that helps me determine uh, how best to encourage them whether to write a book or not. And one of the first things I ask is, you know, well, what do you want to write about? And usually, I get to learn a, quite a bit about that individual person and what they care about in life. Usually when we want to write a book about something, it stems from a personal experience we've had or a relationship we've had or one we've lost. Um, But also um, something usually a circumstance in which God has taught us something in which he has disciplined us. And we naturally want to go and tell what he has done. We want to share what God has done in our own lives. Um, So what I do is I, I, I ask them what they want to write about. And I asked them why they want to write a book. Uh, Because I always think it's important, especially as Christians, to ask. uh, We are free to do many things in life. But Paul exhorts us, the Apostle Paul exhorts us in Scripture, that that freedom is actually meant to serve other people, not ourselves. So I'm always listening for, does somebody want to write a book uh, for fame, for fortune, you know? um, for a platform just for themselves. And I'm listening instead, are they using service language? Are there people they want to care for? Um, do they want to help? Do they want to warn? Do they want to encourage? Do they want to exhort? And so if they have expressed to me, uh, an answer to the question of why that I think is in service to their neighbor, which by the way, I think also inevitably serves the writer too. It's good for us to take care of people. Um, then I start encouraging them to dump all the information they know, all their ideas onto paper. And in that process, I call it brain dumping. In the process of brain dumping, somebody is going to figure out pretty quickly just how much they have to say. And the answer to what should I write, should I write a book or not, is often going to be determined by how much content do you have Some of us may figure out that we really only have an article's worth of content, and so maybe it would actually be more appropriate for that person to try to write an article that could be published in a magazine about their topic. Or in some cases, you know, there are several chapters worth of content that could be filled, and that's where I would encourage somebody to write a book. So often the question somebody has to ask first is, is what do I want to write? What, What do I have to say? What can I offer to my neighbor? And depending on what those people tell me, I can kind of help shift them toward the media that the best serves them.
1: Hmm. So thinking about my skill set and my interests, I think uh, I would best be suited to write a really, very thrilling, riveting instruction manual.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, and you know what? That is no laughing matter, Mr. Bates, because we need those. (laughs)
1: clear instruction true. manuals, written in bullet form, because that's how I write. Yes. In bullet form. <laughs> uh, anything else about the, you had two presentations, anything else about the first presentation before we go on to the next?
2: You know, I think um, the question of what I should write, uh, while we can't have the conference, and I don't have this opportunity to sit with each, with each attendee and talk to them about this, Uh, For those of you who are listening, I just encourage you, talk to the people in your life that you trust. Talk to, if you're married, talk to your spouse, talk to your children, talk to your parents, talk to your pastor, talk to your mentors, your teachers, and and ask their advice and and, um, implore them to give you honest feedback. I think that they're going to be able to help you sort out, first of all, if this is a good use of your time writing. Um, and if you have time to do it, but then I think also they're going to help you figure out, um, what is the best medium for your words. So don't be afraid to talk to the people in your life about these things
1: or write them a letter. (laughs)
2: Or write them a letter. Please, best form of publishing ever is a postage stamp.
1: (laughs) Your your second presentation, um, matchmaking, the author-reader relationship. How important is this author-reader relationship?
2: Well, if you would like to get published with a publishing company, it is everything. A publisher wants to see that you have a relationship with your readers. And of course, there are many ways to build that relationship. Um, You probably witness authors doing it all the time on social media. There is Instagram. There's Snapchat. There's Facebook. There's Twitter. All these different platforms. You you can have your own author website. All these different uh, ways of communicating your product and your, um, yourself to your readers. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, the more interaction you have with your readers, the better, um, easier it is for you to market your book. Uh, what I wanted to talk with the conference attendees about specifically is that sometimes in this, you know, in our American society of big business, it's great temptation to just you know, build your readership as big as possible at the expense of um, honesty. And I'm not saying that we are deceitful to our readers when we just try to gather as many readers toward us in whatever way we can. But you are writing a book that has specific content in it and is probably intended for a specific audience. And your book is best served if you try to market it to the specific audience for which it is intended. Because when a reader reads your book, they're going to like it or they're not going to like it. And then they're going to review it publicly online. (laughs) Um, And your best situation is if you are trying to put your book in the hands of the readers for which it was intended. They are naturally going to be your audience who likes it and who reviews it well. But then on top of that, and this is the best marketing ever, they're going to tell other people like themselves that they like it and encourage other people to read it. So I wanted to talk with conference attendees a little bit about not just building a readership, but building a relationship with a readership that your book is intended for um, so that they they can be pleased (laughs) (laughs) instead of displeased. Um, Now, you cannot please every person. But if I am writing a book that my nephew is going to like, you know, that means possibly my nieces may not like it as well, if that mm-hmm. can make sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I would want to make sure I market it toward my nephew and his friends rather than my nieces and his friends. Um, that is a very simple <laughs> example. Um, but if I am writing a book for Lutheran Christians, it serves my book well to try to get it in the hands of Lutheran Christians. And I celebrate when my book extends beyond that. But if I'm writing it for a specific demographic, I want to try to make sure that demographic knows about it and reads it. Mm-hmm.
0: What should writers uh, think about or consider or, or how, does, how does this even work? Um, and you mentioned Instagram book, uh, author Instagrams. I, sp- I follow several and they're very, they're very good about this, about um, being very specific and, and uh, targeting a specific audience. But what, what should writers consider when they're thinking about their audience that they're trying to market to?
2: I think an author should always take the advice of their editors, of their agents, and of their publishers. So hopefully there would be some guidance in that regard. But if you are not blessed to have that support system, then I would say take the sound advice of vocation. (laughs) Who is your book going to serve? Who is it intended for? Then gear all of your posts, gear all of your marketing, gear all of your words that you write about your book, toward those specific neighbors. Um, I think the best thing an author can do is to get out physically and meet people. Uh, Not everybody has the time or ability to do this, um, but I think that some of the best relationships I have built with my readers has been face-to-face, meeting them, talking with them, learning more about them. Because as I, the author, have the opportunity to meet my reader, I can better understand what my reader needs and what my reader expects. Mm-hmm. And then I always have the choice whether to try to meet that need or not, whether that's a good use of my time. But I really recommend that every author, you know, get out your front door and and meet the people who are reading your books and let them tell you what they think. Don't be afraid of what they think. The other side of this... Um, Discussion is that, you know, when you publish something and it is being reviewed publicly, that's okay. It's good. When you publish something publicly, you are inviting others to respond to it publicly. They should be allowed to have an honest reaction to your book. And I know sometimes bad reviews can be very painful, maybe even offensive, but I, I look at the review system as a very positive thing. Um, Not everybody can get out and meet the readers face-to-face, but you're kind of getting a little mirror image of your reader when you read the review. Uh, A published review of your book is not really a comment on your book. It's actually a window into the reader's personality, into their set of expectations, into their education, based on how they react to your constant, which is the book. They're the variable. <laughs> your book is the constant in this scientific experiment. Um, when you are reading somebody's reaction to your book, you're learning about them as a reader. And you can't please everyone. And you're going to learn, OK, this was not the targeted audience for my book. No, what? of course, they don't like it. You know, they don't they don't like hymns. They're not going to like reading a book about hymns. So that makes sense why they didn't like it. Um, Same for a positive review. You're probably, when you read a positive review, your book has been in the hands of your target audience, but you're also going to learn about your reader and take note. What did they appreciate? What worked? What did they bond with? Um, All of this is information you can gather that helps teach you how to write better for your audience.
0: Well, Katie, we are all out of time. Where can we find your books, your writing, your insights online?
2: Easiest spot would be my website, katieschurman.com, K-A-T-I-E-S-C-H-U-E-R-M-A-N-N.com. It has my books, my articles, uh, my radio interviews, and also my blogs.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today on The Coffee Hour and sharing all of your insights. And uh, we're looking forward to talking with the rest of the presenters from the Here I Write conference. Thank you for your support of the writing community. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: I'm Andy Bates.